We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in Max's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. That works better with our intro. <laughs> that was more of like a metal <laughs> growl. Ooh, I've been listening. I've been listening to a, uh, a, uh, I've been listening to a lot of heavy music lately. I'm trying to get back into it. It sucks. You get older. Chris, I grew up a metalhead. Oh yeah, yellow card, real heavy. No, but like, okay, so my first, my very first guitar at the age of fifteen was a BC Ridge Warlock, because I liked. I was like, oh, the cutaway on the top is perfect for me to be able to kind of sling low, you know. I'm, you know, and you can just kind of headbang over the top of it. And I was vindicated for that purchase when Slipknot became popular, and then because I bought that guitar 2015, or I was 15 years old, which if I was born in 1985. Would have made it 2000. So Slipknot had like just kind of started to become a little more popular outside of the Midwest. And that's a, but I bought that guitar before I had ever seen the band Slipknot play. Like I had seen, you know, I had seen the guitars that Kerry King had played and that Henneman had played for Slayer. And I had seen some of the more, some of the cooler looking guitars, you know, the, the Explorer that James Hetfield played. And I was like, I want a guitar like that. I want a guitar that screams mean because that's the type of music I want to play. Because it's every young kid, I think. It's testosterone fueled. I want speed. I want it loud. It needs to be abrasive. And then you get older and you're like, ah, fuck. Some of this just sounds like noise now. Now, some of it's really well done. Some metal still holds up. There is some hard rock and some new rock, as some of you will call it, that still holds up 
There's a lot of it that doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, like Chris, metal, trying to get back into it. Yeah. I'm giving it its honest due. Guys, we are here tonight. Uh talking about overthinking things. It's the theme of the show tonight. I want to start with a story as I pour myself a you know, I make myself a Kentucky gentleman. Um Chris, what happened last week? During our last podcast, what happened here in the studio? So we did uh, two shows. We did an After Dark, and then uh, we split. We did it on a Monday, because my parents came in last Wednesday for a week. And since I had to go to work, we finished up 9.40. I'm upstairs getting dressed, and I'm assuming when I come back downstairs, Drew and Iman are just finishing up getting all of their shit together then we all leave together like men but i come back downstairs and they're both still sitting in the studio chatting it up and uh i had to run and i said lock it up he says hey lock the front door i gotta go to work so he leaves iman and i continue to sit here we were here till probably about eleven thirty, right Despite your text message of go home <laughs> at about 10.30. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good laugh about that. Um, so <laughs> it comes time to lock the front door as we're leaving Chris's house. And he tells me where the hide-a-key is. He goes, oh, I, you know, I've got this hide-a-key. you got to go back out there, backyard, what have you. And I say, okay, that's fine. I can go get the key from the backyard, whatever. Yeah. Now, I go to walk around the back of the house. Chris? Yeah? There's a gate there. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, obviously I have to find a way over this fence. Like, I have to, because there's no... You just open the gate. Okay. It's nice of you to tell me that now. So here I am... I'm out there, and I'm looking at this fence, and I'm going, all right, I'm going to have to find a way over this thing. And I, at first, I take a running start, and I try to jump it, but after a handful of drinks, that doesn't work. So, Chris, Chris, this is all going on on the side of your house. I Sorry, then, I'm texting Jessica right now. I then proceed to, I look, and I go, oh, wait a minute, there's a big cardboard box. I can stand on top of this box and then use that to jump all like over the fence. Cause at that point it's a tall box. You know, it's long. It looks like a refrigerator box laying on its side, but I can stand on top of this and then use that. You know, whatever's in there is going to bolster me and I'll, I'll be able to hop over the fence. I climb up on top of this box, Chris, and immediately fall inside of it to find out that there's, you're just keeping spools of chicken wire laying around. No, I was throwing that out. Spools of chicken wire. And now I'm in the chicken wire. My legs are just mangled. And I'm just, I'm I'm being massacred by this thing. I fall out of the box. The box falls over. It makes a ton of noise. Neighbor's light comes on. Like it? I fix the box. I then just out of just adrenaline from having fallen into a box full of chicken wire that just gouged me to hell. 
I do the thing where you just take a running start, two hands on the top of the fence, and I just vault over the top of it. Tumble on the other side. I'm rolling around on your patio. God, I hope you landed in dog shit. <laughs> I did not. I get up. I you know I go to the place you described. I find the key. I get back to the fence, and I'm like, oh, boy, how do I get out of here? And that's when it dawned on me that the gate was just open. The gate's been open this entire time. You literally just lift the latch and walk in. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, all of that effort, maiming myself, upsetting your neighbors, the dogs in your kitchen are going crazy because they just hear a bunch of nonsense going on inside the thing. The gate was open the whole time. I overthought the scenario completely from top to bottom. Now, does it make you feel better, you know, knowing that Iman and I were here late, making a bunch of racket, partying in the studio? Does it make you feel a little bit, like, vindicated or a little bit better knowing that I got it in the end? Well, you deserved everything that you got for <laughs> not knowing how to open the gate on a standard chain-link fence. It's... I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to say it. I can say it. I'm not saying it. It's. It's. Uh, you can overthink a lot of things, guys. Some usually to your own detriment, and I feel like that's like we're already starting to do it with the 2023 Buffalo Bills. We're overthinking a lot of things here, guys. <clears throat> As we head into the off season, people are running out of things to talk about. <clears throat> people. People tend to invent their own problems, Chris. Like when they don't have any, they invent them. I think we've all seen enough of that in society. Um, <coughs> yeah. All right. We get that out of there. So with that in mind, I kind of want to talk about some of the things that we look at. Ah, there we go. See? <laughs> Chain reaction. I Chain need, reaction. It's almost I need like, more tequila. Is, is it like that thing where like if I yawn, you see it, you yawn, like it's psychological? Yeah. Did you know that if you, like, dogs, like, yawn, like, that mental transference of a yawn can happen between dogs and people? I did not know that. <coughs> yes. I'll gargle this whiskey if I have to to get that, get that to stop. So, we're talking about topics that Bills fans might be overthinking at this point. First of all, free agent additions. I get it. Everybody loves the D-hop idea. And why wouldn't you, right? Like, that's something that you you genuinely believe that adding another former star-wide receiver to your team, how could that not be a good thing, right? Well, there's other players that are out there, right? Like, I think we talked about it, Chris, how there's been very little movement in terms of the, like, uh, the defensive line market. Like, right now, I'm looking at Spotrack, and I go, let's just look at edge players, Right now, available edge players. There are a lot of names out there. There's Leonard Floyd. There's Frank Clark. There's Yannick Ngakwe. Jadavian Clowney is out there. You know, Justin Houston, again, a guy who admittedly Bills fans are in love with. Um, I think that's the Greg Thompson effect. I think he's been just kind of injecting that into Bills fans' like psyche Yeah, over the course of the last few months. But the reality, like Anthony Barr is still out there as a free agent. Remember the time that everybody wanted Anthony Barr? Yeah. 
like there are a lot of players out here who have quality starts, <clears throat> quality starts in the NFL that are still out there as free agents. I would look more towards that than I would to, to, towards the edge group. Or you, know, you look at some of these other classes, you say, okay, I'm going to go to Chris pick one. Let's say the Bills just signed Brandon Shell, right? Yeah. Okay. Who else is out there at tackle? Uh, Taylor Lewan still doesn't have a job. Brandon Shell got signed before Taylor Lewan. George Fant, Eric Fisher, like these are Juwan James. These are guys who previously have signed giant contracts because they were good at what they did. And now they're just kind of out there in the wind. Hey, Ty and Secchi's out there. Ooh, let's get him. Let's get him back. 37 years old. Do you remember when I was so excited about nailing him as a Bills free agent target? Yeah. God. That, that had to be one of the like the early years of this podcast. I guess I just... I, we might be overthinking this, because when you look at the Bills depth chart, where do we really need help, Chris? Like, ourlads.com, you go there, you pull up the depth chart... What do you see that you need? I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. Lineba- I, linebacker? I, I don't know. Maybe, but you also just threw a ton of draft capital over the last two seasons at that position. So you're probably not spending in free agency because you had plenty of opportunities to do that this year, and you chose not to. Um, like, are there any linebackers left? Let's see. So... <clears throat> I guess the idea is, is that people need to start understanding that there's no... We're overthinking this in terms of well, who else could they add, right? There's still a Zach Cunningham out there. He still does not have a job. <clears throat> could he be a camp ad? Could he be somebody who comes in at the last minute? You know, you shuffle some things around? Maybe. But they added undrafted free agent rookies before they made a bid for the services of Zach Cunningham. That probably tells me my franchise isn't interested. Miles Jack is out there. I know people were fired up about him. Why does Miles Jack not have a job, Chris? Kyle Van Noy. Isn't he injured? Isn't he have like injury injury history? Miles Jack? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But Kyle Van Noy? Like, you could do worse. Like, break glass in case of emergency, practice squad player. 32-year-old linebacker Kyle Van Noy is not on a roster. 27-year-old Miles Jack, not on a roster. Guys, the fact that they're not rostered now, yeah, you could say, oh, it would be a smooth move for us to bring in a Justin Houston and Miles Jack and uh, d- d- go get fucking the John Bostick. I'll never forget the day that everyone, John Bostick got drafted in the second round and everyone thought he was the next, like, he's gonna be the thing. I think he played for Kentucky. And... Everyone thought he was going to be a great linebacker, and he is the epitome of journeyman. It's like, look, guys, sometimes these GMs know what they're doing because they look at who they brought in and they say, why spend money outside when I already have this guy in a contract? It already counts. The The benefit I'm going to get from the guy in the market isn't that much better than what I'm going to get from the guy in-house. And you can make it, you can... Say, Justin Houston, he's a little different. He's a veteran pass rusher who still has savvy. He still has a body of work that most guys don't. A Yannick Ngakwe, 
But it's clear that the reason they're not working right now isn't because they're not talented. It's because they want money that, at their age, no one's willing to pay them. So, the odds that they'll end up here in Buffalo, Chris, probably slim to none, correct? Yeah. So, with it in mind, I think you're all overthinking these free agent additions over the course of the next month. I think you're thinking about it a little too much. You all need to calm down. Also... Kick return and punt return duties. This was a fun one. So I went to Football Outsiders, and I was looking at the DVOAs for special teams, because that's been a thing I've heard. You know, you get the WGR wine and line caller crowd that likes to, they go, Deontay Hardy, he's a special teamer. It's like, well, you just paid $8 million a year for a special teamer. I mean, or I guess it's essentially the Emmanuel Sanders deal. You paid a lot of money for one season with a voidable year. I don't know, but... What you did was you gave a a solid contract to a guy who you're hoping is not just a kick and punt returner or isn't just, hey, he made all pro as a rookie or in his first two years as a special teamer. You look at this and you say, well, who's going to who's going to be our return man? Now, if you look at the depth chart right now, according to our lads, punt return duties and kick return duties are still belonging to Naheem Hines. Holy shit, I said his name correctly on the first try. Yeah, good job. Mark it on the calendar. But it's interesting when you dig into some of the finer statistics about the Bills and just special teams, right? Naheem Himes. See, there it is. I fucked it up again. I got cocky. I got cocky in the pocket. Football Outsiders. Buffalo Bills were the 2022 number one ranked special teams unit in DVOA. Last year, they were fifth. So it's, and you know, Chris, we've bemoaned the fact that this franchise kind of prioritizes special teams at a time when I don't think that there's a case to be made it matters. I mean, you could just look at this, like field goals and extra points. You yeah. just signed Tyler Bass to a big extension. Yeah. Because you believe field goals and extra points matter. <clears throat> Kansas City just won the Super Bowl. They were the worst team last season in regards to field goal and extra point DVOA at negative 10.7. But then you look at it, it's one of those things you go, the Bills were the best special teams unit. Obviously, they care about that, so it better be good if they're putting assets and time and you know, cap concentration into it. But then you look at how we got there, and it's interesting because in terms of field goals, like you would assume that the Bills would be highly rated, correct? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. We're not in the top five for DVOA for field goals and extra points. We were, I think, top ten, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. No, we're actually outside the top ten. That's not great, is it? But then you also say, ah, you play football in Western New York. That's bound to happen. You know who the teams that suffered the worst, like in in terms of the DVOA structure. Who actually suffered the worst weather points? Who's that? Where do, do you think Buffalo's in the top five? I would assume if you're talking about weather. Wrong. They rank 24th. Cincy, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, Green Bay, and Baltimore all had worse weather this season while trying to kick field goals than Buffalo. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like, that's interesting because Baltimore also finished ahead of Buffalo in DVOA for field calls. <laughs> so, ju- and, like, that's to prove that Justin Tucker is just that guy, right? Yeah. But then you go off down the list and you say, okay, so what does returner actually mean? And you look at kickoffs, you know, obviously, like, our, our special teams are going to be good again. You have your kicker. You're not terrible. You're in the top 11 for DVOA for field goals and extra points. For punt percentage, the Bills were top six. It's pretty good, right? And we yeah. brought the same punter back. There's cohesiveness in the unit, so you, you'd believe that that's a job that doesn't fluctuate much from one year to the next. Then you look at the return statistics. In terms of punt return, we're almost not even on the radar. We're like middle of the pack. Mm, we're very middling. I want to say we're probably about 12th, 13th, 14th. In kickoff return, we were number one for DVOA. But how much of that is based off of that New England game? <clears throat> Hines runs in two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Yeah. Without that, like I'd like to see what those numbers look like without that boosting our statistics because we were tied with Green Bay. But they gave us the nod for number one at 11.8. And then it's Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, three teams that weren't great last year but they were good Minnesota was okay they won their division but they got trounced in their first playoff game not trounced but they got beat by the eight seed yeah like I don't know <laughs> like I just I don't know about any of this it's it's like I look at this and I say to myself how important is this then you look at the teams that are really good at special teams around us you know who was number two in special teams DVOA last year Chris Houston. Ooh, they were good. <laughs> they were good, kind of. In terms of punt returns, Kansas City, or, or in terms of punting, Kansas City was like top. In terms of punt returns, it's Atlanta, Detroit, New England, San Francisco's in there, then Cleveland, the Chargers, the Jets, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, like. Loser football teams are very good at punt returns and kick returns. Chris, I feel like those are the things you worry about because you have to worry about them, correct? Yeah. Like, at that point, you're just scrapping for any advantage you can get. I don't think it matters who the kick returner or punt returner is for the Buffalo Bills next year. No. We haven't... (laughs) 
production's been weak out of that job. Hey, don't drop the football. Yeah. That's it. Find me a guy who won't drop. We trounced New England in a playoff game where Micah Hyde was our punt returner, and he fair caught everything. You know what I had uh, this weekend? So, we, you know, on the last show, you heard me talk about Cousins' 50th surprise party. So my cousin Molly, her son Hunter, <clears throat> huge football guy. He's eight years old. <laughs> okay. And he's... I support it. He comes to me because I've met Hunter maybe five times in my life. He's eight years old. Loves football. And I guess... I might have the last time I saw him, he might have been maybe five. So big difference between eight and an eight-year-old brain and a five-year-old brain. So my cousin Molly had told him like, "Oh, he knows Reed, who's on the Bills, and he has this football podcast that he does." So he just comes up to me and he just goes, "You know, I can't I can't believe they let go of Isaiah McKenzie." And I was like, well, Hunter, you're eight. You're eight. Let me explain to you what a business decision is. Let, let me explain said, to you what fumbles are. Well, I said... I call opportunity cost. I Let's said, talk about that. I said, Hunter, <clears throat> football teams want to get better in certain areas at the lowest cost. I said... Getting rid rid of Isaiah McKenzie, yeah, he was a good slot receiver. Did a little bit in the return game, but Buffalo said I can get better with what we ask him to do at a cheaper cost, and that is called a business decision. <laughs> I was out. I was at my aunt's on Monday teaching Hunter about what a business decision is. That's it's one of those things where you think about what that means and you go Isaiah McKenzie was great though he was funny and he liked candy and he like it's like no I get it why he would appeal to an eight-year-old also don't drop the football that too don't trip over the goal line uh I don't know don't fumble a pitch attempt by our quarterback when he's freelancing guess what he hangs it on you we're not getting rid of Josh Allen somebody's gonna wear that somebody's gonna wear that chain it's you. <clears throat> I just, I think that we're overthinking. I don't think it matters. Naheem Hines is going to be our punt and kick returner again. Don't talk about it. Don't don't even think about it. He will be that again. And they probably won't work him into the offense as much as they should. They just won't. We did. They've talked about, well, we're going to get smarter and we're going to get better. Okay. Who would you rather have catching the ball out of the backfield, James Cook or Hines? Dalvin Cook. Dalvin. <laughs> if you could give the two, having seen what you saw from give me James, James Cook, Cook last year. Give me James Cook. He's a rookie, low cost. 4.4 speed. Yep. 4.440 speed. You give that kid a chance to be a receiving back, and you go out there, and what you do is you basically, like, why do you think they brought in, uh, what's his face, from New England? Damien Harris. He's going to be Singletary. Cook is going to remain Cook, except maybe they'll throw him the ball more? Allegedly. Allegedly. Because realistically, in the red zone, that's where he could be the most dangerous with that kind of speed, right? Yeah. 
beat a man to the flat, just beat him to the pylon, that's it. Just dump off, take it to the pylon, and see if you can make it. Done. I think we overthink these things. It's still football. It's get six yards. (laughs) You're in the red zone. You need ten yards. Okay. It's it's second down and four. Like, second down and goal from the four. You just throw it to the fast guy and go to the corner. I... It's just a race. I would trust Cook in that role. Yeah. And with that said, I don't think you're going to see much change about this, but I've already seen people talk about the kick return thing. Another one that I find interesting is that a lot of these people who are clamoring for DeAndre Hopkins, oh, man, if the Bills could just sign him, it'd be the thing that put us over the top. I noticed that there's a there's like a... I don't know what but if you put the Venn diagram together... It would look pretty, it would look, you'd all look pretty foolish. You know who loves Venn diagrams? Who? Kamala Harris. <laughs> How dare you try to make my podcast political? I'm not taking the bait. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you that the Venn diagram of people who say the Bills need to sign or like really need to be in the running for DeAndre Hopkins are probably some of the same people who go, Dalton Kincaid has to make an impact because of where he was drafted. It's, you think, guys, I think from our last podcast, you should know I'm petty. I keep receipts. Even if they're just mental receipts, I know who you are. I I watch the things you say. The way you carry yourselves and the things that you choose to bitch about, I remember. I'm like Pepperidge Farm. I remember. So, With that said, there's a lot of people who are out here clamoring for this signing, but who also think Dalton Kincaid needs to make an impact based on the capital the bill spent for him. That almost seems like an oxymoron. Wait, you want to bring DeAndre Hopkins and add him to a room that already has a Gabe Davis, that already has a Stephon Diggs, that just spent a bunch of money on a receiver for the slot that they're hoping is productive for them, has a Khalil Shakir who hopefully grows into a role. Oh, you're just going to add another number two to borderline number one caliber wide receiver. Where is Dalton Kincaid going to find that production from? Where does that come from then if you do that? So I think you guys first need to decide what it is you're trying to be mad about here, whether the Bills didn't sign Hopkins or whether like what they want to do with Kincaid. But then let's talk about Kincaid for a second, because I feel like it's already being conflated as far as what his impact should be. Chris, I have in front of me the entire 2022 PFF receiving grades. Now, I made a chart out of it. Oh, nice. I don't have it. I will send you the photos so that you can put them in the YouTube overlay. Uh What I'm looking at, I I manipulated the data, I shuffled some columns around, because you know it's a thing I do. I I love Excel, I love playing around with numbers and data. You're lucky I didn't make any graphs out of this. But what I basically did was I looked at offensive grade, targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, and just who plays where, the quality of the team, the player themselves, and what they produced. Chris, the best tight end in football is Chris Kelsey. True, false? True. Okay. 1,596 yards, 182 targets, 
182 targets. Do you know where that ranks in terms of like all positions? No. Okay. Justin Jefferson led the NFL with 185. Travis Kelsey was second in the NFL in targets among all pass catchers. That doesn't matter whether you're a wide receiver or running back or whatever. Number two in the NFL, all targets. Who do you think was number three? All targets in the NFL. Number three? Number one, Justin Jefferson. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Who's number three? I <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be wrong because my brain says, oh, he was injured. But I'd go George Kittle. Tyreek Hill. That guy. Heard that of guy. him. Heard of him. Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, and then Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs had 166 targets, 1,578 yards. 1,578 yards, Travis Kelsey had more yardage than that. And I feel like because Travis Kelsey has so much success and because we drafted him so high, everyone assumes he has to be Travis Kelsey. I want to let you guys in on a little secret. So if you, f- if I filter these results by just tight ends, I go, who played the most games? And then let's filter it by targets. And then you make a pivot table here and you look at your results and you look at who's at the top. Uh, here's what I see. Chris, do you know what the average yards for tight ends across the whole league was? Say that again. Average. Average yards across the entire position group for everybody who played. It was 236. Now, if you take that and you go, I want to short this by the guy who, guys who played the most games or guys who had the most targets. The largest target shares in the NFL, if you take tight end and you look at the top, what are we going to call this? We'll call this the top 15. The average is only 787 yards. You have your outliers, the TJ Hawkinsons, the Travis Kelseys. Everybody else kind of falls into this weird middle category. Like Gerald Everett was franchise tagged. Oh, no, not Gerald Everett. Uh, who's the guy who played for uh, the Jaguars? Je- Evan Ingram. Yes. He only had 890 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> Far and away less impactful than most, like a lot of wide receivers. Uh, you go down the list, George Kittle, your pick, is like, well, hey, he, he had to be up there in impact. 929 yards, 11 touchdowns. Like, he's, like, that's a dude. If you're looking at this to try to figure out, though, what yardage and touchdowns, like what what's reasonable to expect from a rookie, some of you are already so far into the fucking woods, it, it's out of my mind. David Njoku is a good tight end in football. True or false? True. Gerald Everett for the Chargers. Useful. Came in handy in fantasy for me a couple weeks. Dalton Schultz. Pet Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, probably not a household name, but if you're a fantasy football savant, he's a guy you want to be paying attention to because nobody knows who he is, and yet he had 732 yards last year. He'll get yardage. Not touchdowns, but yardage. Dalton Schultz got the touchdowns. You know, eight for 699 yards. 
But you look at the Dawson Knoxes, Tyler Higbees, David Njoku's, the Hayden Hurst, Tyler Conklin, like this middle class of tight ends who are professionals who have been doing this for a while. And some of them have gotten some pretty sizable extensions. Chris, not a single one of them has more than 700 yards in the season. You're overthinking what Dalton Kincaid has to mean to this football team by saying that he has to be an impact player. I don't think there's an opportunity for him to be one. I think what he can do, right? Like, he's not going to come in and be Travis Kelsey. It's unrealistic. He's not going to come in and be TJ Hawkinson. Unrealistic. George Kittle? Unrealistic. Mark Andrews? Unrealistic. Thank you. What's going to happen here is that you're going to watch a kid come in and get used out of the slot, get used. He's a little bit bigger than Mike Gesicki was. He's a little bit, he's built a little differently. Hopefully we use him more intelligently than Miami has used Mike Gesicki, but he's that kind of a player. I think that you could put him on the line and he could do okay for you in blocking, but he's not great. I think in terms of target share, like Chris, if if I had to wrap this up, right, there's 105 tight ends in football who got fewer than 80 targets, fewer than 70. So realistically, what is the ceiling for where you'd expect a rookie to come in and contribute? I think you need to temper those expectations. 500 yards, four touchdowns. I, you know what's you know what's crazy? What? If you say that, then he's Hunter Henry for New England last year. Like they know how to use tight ends. Unless you kill someone. <laughs> unless you kill someone. So this is one of those things where I think we are all overthinking this Dalton Kincaid thing way too much. Sure, can they use him in seam routes, glance routes? He's very smart. The idea is that you can use him in the RP, kind of like an option game where it's like, hey. You and Josh get on the same page, and you just take... The caveat to him was that he was the guy who knew how to figure out zones. He's supposed to be... What, are they, what were they calling him? Uh, Swole Beasley? Yeah. You're supposed to be the guy who can be the safety blanket underneath and understand zones, know how to sit down inside of them, and do some of the things that Cole Beasley did, except help us do it out of 12 personnel. Great. Just don't expect a lot, because realistically, there are... Noah Fant, like Juwan Johnson was kind of a a spark plug for New Orleans this year. He had a great year, seven touchdowns, 500 yards. Like Jordan Akins signs a fat contract, fucks up the tight end market. Yeah, He's, uh, what, five touchdowns, 495 yards? Like these are guys who have Robert Tanyan. uh, I'm just going down the list. Like there are a lot of guys here who I like they're veterans. They've had multiple years in the league to expect anything like that is fucking crazy. I think that we are overthinking. This as a fan base and we all need to take a deep breath. Chris, say it with me. Goose Fraba. The last thing I think that we as a fan base, Buffalo Bills fans, overthinking and overanalyzing is the middle linebacker position. Which I know sounds stupid because you go, we're a great defense. In order to be a great defense, Chris, you have to have a good middle linebacker, don't you? You should. 
Okay. So what I did was I took PFF's defensive grades or their entire grade chart and I broke it out and I looked at how many snaps did you play? How'd you grade against the run? How did you grade in coverage? What was your QBR against? And then I said, okay, how many of these players played for playoff teams? And again, you take a, you take a couple spread, you take a spreadsheet, you manipulate it a little bit, you color code some things, you start to spin that data, you make some tables. Next thing you know, you wind up with what I think is a pretty. Chris? Yeah. This is what I see. In the NFL, you have a lot of really good linebacker play. Like, I think that we saw the best out of some, you could say it's a, a boon to the fact that we rebuilt the defensive tackle room. And that's why Tremaine Edmonds looked as good as he did. You could say that it was a contract year and he did the, uh, what was that guy from the Sabres? Drew Stafford? Oh, Drew Stafford at us? Huge, huge Stafford fan. Yeah. He had one great year and then went right back to being mediocre. Yeah. Yeah, he had like 30 goals in a contract year. And then we signed him, and then he sucked. He didn't suck, he just didn't live up to 30 goals. Well, he just went back to being the guy he was before that. Yeah. You look at the guys who performed well, like the best linebackers in football, according to grading, and... Then you filter out the guys who didn't play a ton of games, right? Like you say, okay, I only want to see guys who played more than 13 games. Done. Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, Levante David, Demario Davis, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards. Like, this all sounds correct, doesn't it? Yeah. These are impact linebackers that you know. I find it funny that he played more and got graded higher than Matt Milano and the team let Tremaine Edmonds go and kept Matt Milano. Now, do you think that that's resume? Could be. They were like, hey, we're actually going to extend Milano. (laughs) We're actually going to give him an extension. Yeah, well, I mean, he deserved it. Of course he does. Because he's... So it's one of these things where you you take a look at this hand-wringing that's going on right now amongst Bills fans about, well, who's going to be the middle linebacker? Who's going to do it? Because if we don't have a good middle linebacker, then it's impossible that this defense, you're like, this defense is going to suffer. <laughs> Chris, I'm looking at this chart right now. I basically sectioned off every single linebacker who played for a playoff team. And then I just look for mediocrity. Patrick Queen... Linebacker, Baltimore, right? Heard about him with Ken McCusick. Willie Gay Jr., starting linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Painfully mediocre. Kaiser White, Philly, you know, you start to look at these snap counts, and then you spin it that way, and you go, who played the most, and who was painful? Devin White. Now, mind you, Tampa Bay made the playoffs on a technicality. Yes, there are a lot of great linebackers playing for playoff teams. There are you you see a lot of impact players there, you know? You get your Nick Boltons from Kansas City, uh 
Olicon from Jacksonville, Fred Warner from San Francisco. These are guys who make game-changing plays. T.J. Edwards had himself a really nice year. I don't know that I've ever even heard of him before. But he had a really nice year as a linebacker for them. Obviously, there's Matt Milano. There's guys like Roquan Smith. But, Chris, you go down the thing. It's like Devin Lloyd for Jacksonville played a 1,000 snaps. He was one of the worst linebackers in football. Their team still made the playoffs, didn't they? Allegedly. Uh, Jordan Brooks from Seattle. Not good. But really, in fact, really terrible in coverage. Really terrible in coverage. His Q, this, uh, <laughs> Jordan Brooks, his QBR against over 120. <laughs> when targeted, the quarterback's QBR is a 120. He's a linebacker who took a 1,000 snaps for a playoff football team. So when people sit here and worry about how important it, Terrell Bernard, Balen Specter, A.J. Klein, whatever, whatever, it's like, okay, yes. If you're a, if you, Chris, if you're a mediocre football team, it probably matters, right? Yeah. You need that. And when you were the 2018 Buffalo Bills and you spent a first round draft pick on the linebacker that you did there, Tremaine Edmonds, you yeah. did it because you knew you were a mediocre football team that needed to be a great football team. You needed impact players at every single level and you traded up and you took one. You are no longer that same football team. And so in that way, you've now joined the class of teams where you say, hey, I can be like Kansas City. Like, if I filter this thing and I say, I just want to see Kansas City linebackers. Chris, do you know that Nick Bolton's the only one that graded positively? Did not know that. <laughs> Willie Gay Jr. is painfully mediocre and he sucks at run defense. That's it. They don't have anybody else who takes snaps there. Willie Gay Jr. has been suspended and injured throughout his entire career. Like, that's it. He's not reliable. He only played, uh, he played a little bit more than half of Nick Bolton's snaps last year. That's it. That's all they have. Like, no team is perfect. Every team's going to have its warts. You're also talking about a Buffalo Bills football team where the head coach is the one who still drafted a Shaq Thompson when he had uh, uh, Thomas Davis and had Luke Keekley. He still drafted another, like, I want to say that Shaq was a, uh, it was one of those, almost like a Matt Milano deal, like a safety-turned-linebacker, going to be kind of one of those tweeners. And he rolled the three of them in all kinds of exotic formations, and it's kind of what keyed a lot of Ron Rivera's success that we just made fun of in the last podcast. Do you, Chris, feel like it's the end of the world if the Bills only get mediocre line play or middle linebacker play, given the way that they've beefed up the defensive tackle room? No, you know why? Because we have Josh Allen. And that's all that matters. And that needs it. Well, and you look at the teams that win the most. The teams that went the farthest in this past postseason, that's the answer, right? It's, hey, I'm KC knowing that I have one really good linebacker and everybody else is kind of just dudes. I will outscore you to a point where my linebacker doesn't fucking matter. If they, if they blow a play, they give up a long touchdown, they lose contain on a running back to the edge and give up a first down, 
doesn't fucking matter. Give me the ball. I will punish you when I get it. That's the way that this league is trending. It's the way the Bills need to be trending. It's why you see them drafting a Dalton Kincaid. It's why you see them going out and trying to beef up the offensive line so that they can maybe find a little bit of something in the running game and signing a Connor McGovern. And their, their focus is making the offense the club. The defense no longer has to win us games. And so in that way, when I look at this middle linebacker competition, I say, I don't give a fuck. I don't care, because what's going to happen is this, Chris. Terrell Bernard, the, uh, the, the or, or let's say Dorian Williams wins it, or let's say, let's say Balin Spector shocks the world and is a seventh-round pick. Week one is the Bills' starting middle linebacker. The margin of victory is not going to be decided by that one guy, is it? No. No. It's, you, you signed a Taylor Rapp. Specifically, so you could go safety heavy and litter the field with defensive backs who still play in the box well. I, I, I don't know. I think all of this crying about the middle linebacker position that's going on is just much ado about nothing because realistically, yes, it will cost you moments. There will be plays where you go, fuck, I miss Tremaine Edmonds because Tremaine Edmonds would have batted down that ball or he would have deterred a quarterback from throwing into that zone coverage because he's so big. But by and large... Over the course of the season, our season will not be dictated by that position because you just look at this and you look at the number of teams that were really unsuccessful with a lot of really good linebacker play. And then you look at the teams that were really successful that had really mediocre linebacker play. I mean, that's your Devin Lloyd, Jordan Brooks. I mean, let's go on Kenneth Murray from the Chargers. Kenneth Murray's been a disappointment ever since he was ever since he was drafted. He's terrible in run support. He's barely passable in pass coverage. Playoff football team. <laughs> Chris, like I, Miami with a Landon Roberts. He played 700 snaps of defense, which is essentially half a season, a little bit more for a linebacker. Not great at anything. He's painfully mediocre across the board. But guess what? They got away with it. Having that guy on the football field, it did not preclude them from making the postseason. At that point, it just comes down to coaching and structure, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, uh, I know we have the 22nd ranked coach in the NFL, but do you trust Sean McDermott to come up with a plan now that he's the play caller? Yeah. Okay. So then can we all agree that maybe we've wasted a lot of time debating who the middle linebacker is? Yeah. Okay. So the next time someone tweets out, well, this guy took snap with the snaps of the ones, and and then today this guy's here. Say it again with me, Chris. Goose Raba. Because I don't think it matters, guys. I'm just one man with opinions and a glass full of whiskey. That's it. Let us know what you think. What do you think is the most overthought? thing amongst Bills fans this offseason. Tweet us at Rockpile Report. Best response, I'll send you something nice. For tonight we gotta get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. Spend your Rockpile Report.